0: Who are you and where are you going what do you want for the next 24 minutes we're going to design and attain your ideal life on the way to wow show Together, we'll find the ideal path to get you back on the track to success and happiness on the Wait a While Show with your host, Kevin Bemel. Are you having trouble with difficult people? Maybe more so lately than before? Separation is supposed to make the heart grow fonder, but I'm not really sure that that's working out quite that way these days. So we're going to speak to my guest today. He wrote the book on how to deal with difficult people. What can you do to enhance your relationships? So Bryn, mix this up for us. Why thank you.
1: you. That, that looks very yeah. nice. We're going to give that a try. Here yeah, we
0: are. Thank you. Happy days, thank right?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Mm. Hmm. What a symphony of taste.
0: Well, thank you. Yes. That's such a yeah. good thing. I love um, that statement right you, there. You know, if I would be, <laughs> if
1: I would be um, forty years younger. I would put that on the table and snap an Instagram of it.
0: Yes, you would. But I did read, (laughs)
1: I'm I'm in the middle of reading an excellent author called um, Paul LaRue. And he's written some wonderful travel logs and and explained some wonderful things about countries. And I suddenly noticed there are no photographs in any of his books. And then I found an essay of his and explains why he doesn't take photographs. And he says, everybody says a picture is worth a thousand words. He says a picture is only worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. In other words, understanding it, looking at it, enjoying it, describing it, um, is so much more than a thousand words. So, that, you know, with this kind of drink, you really feel you want to really just spend some time writing about it. Yeah, that's well, very, I like It's, it. Very, it it's very complex. It's, um, it's
0: delicious. Oh, perfect. Really I love yeah. that. No, that's what I love so much about it. It's clean, but yet there is like a symphony of flavors in there. So We're We're a, yeah, a
1: real symphony. They're just <laughs> lovely. And, and, and balanced. Yes, thank you.
0: My guest is Raphael Lapin. He's a lawyer. He's the founder of Lappin Negotiation Services, also happens to be a rabbi. And he was a participant in the Harvard Negotiation Project with um, uh, William Ury and uh, Roger Fisher. So that gives you an idea of, of the practical and the academic background that Raphael is coming from. And he's, I, I invited him here today to talk to us about a subject that he, he wrote the book about, which is dealing with difficult people, right? And today, in, in, with, with all the pressures that are coming on, it seems to me it's, it's ever harder to deal with our colleagues, maybe even our families, our family members. Not so much because they're difficult people per se, but the circumstances under which we're all operating these days just makes life complex. It makes it taxing sometimes. So, so Raphael, talk to us if you would this about this idea of, of dealing with difficult people.
1: I've got all sorts of stories to share about that. Um, so, so, first of so all, working with difficult people, we tend to think any time we come across a difficult person, that he's pathologically pathologically difficult. <laughs> um, you know, and um, and it's it's him, it's not me. Uh, the truth of the matter is, there are very very few pathologically difficult people in the world. Um, I don't know if I've come across any. Um, mo- most times, it's not pathological, uh, pathological at all. So the very first thing that I do when I come across a difficult person that I have to work with, or negotiate with, or, or resolve a, a dispute with, um, I ask myself, what am I doing or not doing that is enabling him to be difficult?
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and then I ask myself, what new ingredients can I mix, put into this mix in this dynamic mm-hmm. uh, of our, intera- our interaction um, that could possibly change uh, the direction of the conversation. Uh, that would make him less difficult. And uh, might, might be more listening. It might be more acknowledgement. Uh, it might be some, some other tool or technique uh, that I need to introduce. Um, but the very first thing is to ask yourself, what am I doing? What can I introduce here? If we continue along this line, mm-hmm. it'll continue on its own inertia. So it won't change unless I actually introduce something new. Okay. Okay. Uh, And one of the key things that I think people need uh, in terms of any time you're having conversations with people um, and things that may be getting difficult is people need to feel heard and understood. And uh, many people don't want to acknowledge or understand the other party or demonstrate understanding uh, because they, they confuse understanding with agreeing. Mm. And that's not true. Those are two very, very different concepts. I can understand you immaculately. I can argue your case more articulately and more compellingly than you can argue it yourself and still not necessarily agree with you. In fact, my mentor, Roger Fisher in in Harvard, used to argue cases in front of the Supreme Court. And he would start his conversation and start his arguments uh, by arguing his opponent's arguments.
0: Hmm. Wow. And you would
1: argue them far more compellingly. And the judge would get confused. The judge would say, Mr. Fisher, who saw you on?" <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Roger would say, um, uh, bear with me, Your Honor, I'm, I'm getting there. And after having demonstrated immaculate understanding of his opponent, he would say, and, Your Honor, there's a different way of looking at that as, as, at that as well, and then introduce his own. Um, he didn't use but your honor, he said and yeah. because but is the grand eraser. It erases everything that comes before. You're wonderful, you're gorgeous, you're smart, brilliant, a but, but. <laughs> just takes everything away. So, uh-huh. so you want to kind of sort of keep away from, from that. In, in work with difficult people phraseology is really, really important. Um but I think the key the key point over here is, is there's a difference between understanding somebody and agreeing with somebody.
0: So one of the things I'm hearing in what you just said is If I'm confronted with a difficult person, so I'm I'm looking at the person and I'm going, you're difficult, you're this, you're the problem. What you're suggesting is, instead of making the person, and and, and in, in so doing, I give up all my power over that situation. Whereas if I say, okay, what am I doing maybe that's causing this person to react or respond the way they are? And how can I change that? In, in some ways, it sounds to me like I'm sort of taking the power back to you Well, me. you are.
1: You can be Well, uh, t- take that example that you just said. Let's say you were attacking me, as you just kind of demonstrated and said, you were okay, difficult. Just, I
0: gave you a cocktail first before I attacked you, so, <laughs> so just, I'm keep that in mind.
1: <laughs> and you're saying, you know, you're difficult. You're doing this. You're doing that. So I can either argue with you and say, what are you talking about? I'm not. You're the one who's difficult. Or I can say to you, um, Kevin, I'm hearing a lot of frustration in your voice and in the words that you're saying. I'd like to hear more about what that is. Mm. So I'm now regaining control over that conversation. I'm not reacting to it. I'm taking control over it in a very subtle, authentic way, not in a domineering sort of way. And you can be in control of any conversation. It doesn't matter what conversation it is, um, whether it's a dinner table conversation or whether it's a top negotiation uh, conversation. Uh, you're far more in control when you're doing c- good active listening, demonstrating understanding, and asking very good questions, because you can funnel the conversation with the questions that you're asking.
0: And just the energy between the two is so and, much and, and different. And you know, that it could right. change the absolutely. conversation. Just, uh, so
1: that's an example. Yeah. I'll introduce something new. You'd, you know, you'd be attacking me. You're difficult. You did this. You did that. And all instead of defending, I say, Kevin, I really want to ask why I'm hearing a lot of frustration from you. Um, and there's obviously some deep concerns um, and, and upset and, and so on, please help me understand a bit more.
0: And when you make that paradigm shift, I mean, should one expect an immediate shift in the other person or is this more of an iterative that's process? A great, that's a great and-
1: question. It depends. Sometimes you have to do several cycles of it. We, we just had a recent case I can share with you. Um, this is... Our, this, doing work on behalf of a client who wanted me to negotiate a settlement on a, a, an existing court judgment for about four or five million dollars. And um, I contacted the opposing lawyer, and he was, he's was been to negotiation 101, where they teach you to f- get the other side to make the first proposal. Um, and his first thing was quite uh, offensive, and he said, well, you make a proposal. Now, of course, you know how the story goes. You make the proposal, and then before you know it, you know they flinch and you're negotiating against yourself. Right. Um, and he was quite offensive and, and not engaging at all. And eventually I said to him, I said, we can make the first proposal, but it'll be dead on arrival because we can't make a proposal unless we really understand what your client's concerns are. And if we understand what some of your client's concerns are, we can then make a... A responsive proposal that responds to some of those concerns. So why don't we start off, perhaps, with having an exchange of what each of our client's needs are in this particular case, and then I put a list of four or five questions. And that changed the entire time. Mean, we're now on first-name terms mm-hmm. um, and, and very respectful to one another and working out an agreement her to to settle this case. Um, so, so that was an example. I had to do it several times. because so It came back several times. Well, you make the first proposal. You're not making the first proposal. Uh, and explain to him why that doesn't make sense. And he thought I was trying to play some sort of trick or tactic on him. But then once that trust, once he got that trust, it just opened things up very nicely.
0: So I I, I got the high sign, but I I have to ask this question. Um, Does it help in those situations to let the person know, look, I'm not trying to play any games with you. I, 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 I sincerely want to find out, you know, what what your client needs and wants you know what I'm saying? In other words, well, well, be that level again, of candor you're asking, or?
1: You're asking great question. I'm gonna spend the whole day on this. This, this, is, uh, <laughs> you know, this is an area I'm very passionate about. Um, so, so two things, first of all, you want to build trust. You want, you want to engage in a process where the process itself fosters and generates trust. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's gotta be authentic. Um, so when I'm trying to understand you, I have to generally be tr- interested and curious. I call it constructive curiosity about what some of your concerns are. Um, So so that's that's really important. The other thing is that most people see negotiation as a series of tricks and tactics. Mm -hmm. And when you're involved in tricks and tactics, you want to hide from the other side what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're involved in an authentic process of negotiation and a genuine process of negotiation, you can be fully transparent about the process that you're using. So I would say to you now, Kevin, I think as we move forward, it might be a good idea before we throw out proposals to really understand each other's needs uh, and maybe then see if we can somehow find some joint solutions to some of the conflicting needs. How does that sound to you? So um, I'll, I'll be completely transparent about the process.
0: So in, in, in this case, really, relationships and negotiations are just part and parcel of each other.
1: Right? And, and it's so much part of it. And, and that's what President Reagan figured out with, with Gorbachev. And Thatcher, um, that that in order to get where they wanted to get with the Soviet Union, um, both from from Gorbachev's point of view, who really drove uh, those negotiations, um, uh, but it was all based on relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it, it's sort of funny. In the very first meeting that Reagan met with with Gorbachev, uh, he wanted to break the ice, so he tells them the following joke: Reagan's there, Gorbachev's there, the, the translators there, a couple of National Security advisors are there. And Reagan, the very first time he met him in, in Switzerland, he says, he tells a joke about this guy, two guys who were arguing about the benefits of, of, of the US and, and, and the Soviet Union. And um, the American guy walks, says, you, know, you don't understand the freedom of speech in America. So there's nothing stopping me from walking into the Oval Office, banging on the president's desk, and saying, Mr. President, I don't like the way you're running this country. And the Russian says, you know, I don't see anything great about it, we can do exactly the same thing really? How can you do that? This is nothing stopping us from walking into the uh, General Secretary's office banging on his desk and saying Mr. General Secretary, we don't like the way the President of the United States is running his country. <laughs> 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 and, that, I, and that was the very first joke that President Reagan told Gorbachev on his very first meeting. Um, so, so, and you know, they really hit it off personally. So you can achieve so much more um, by, by building a trusting relationship with somebody, um,
0: absolutely, and, and,
1: and conducting a very genuine, authentic process of negotiation.
0: Well, we're going to have to end it there, but uh, there is obviously much, much, much more here. Yeah. And um, hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll have you back to talk even more. I'll about I'd be happy that. to be absolutely. And
1: thank you so much for having me. This is. Uh, You're
0: welcome. A treat. Thank you. Cheers. 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 So that's our show for this week. Tune in next week where we're going to have a very special edition of The Way to Wow Show featuring human optimization expert Andy Walsh. He's going to help my colleague, Sierra Barrett, and me work through our own personal barriers to making a better life for ourselves. Courage at all times, my friends. Marie. You're still my bell. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.